magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. In the meantime, what's the issue in in this Rahimi case. Well, first of all, let's talk about this guy, this individual, Rahimi himself. This is a guy who's under a domestic violence order of protection, and it's not his first go-round with being under a domestic violence order of protection. This is where, you know, someone goes in and says, this person's been abusing me, harassing me, stalking me, hurting me, physically hurting me, whatever it might be. And a lot of people call these restraining orders. And the more appropriate, more accurate term is is order of protection. And to say, I want this person to stay away from me and, and stop harassing me or stalking me or hurting me, you know, battering me. And, and you can apply for a, an order of protection. And this actually happened in Texas. But the same, the same process uh, exists here in Indiana. And in fact, in virtually any county here in Indiana, and a lot of counties now, you can do this online. You go to the clerk's office, and you fill an application, and 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 you say, "All right, here are the examples of where this person has stalked me, or har- harassed me, or hurt me, or threatened me." And if your application meets the requirements of the statute for getting an order of protection, then the judge will issue what's called an ex parte order of protection. And and why do we call it ex parte at the beginning? Well, it just ex parte just means they've only heard from one side only. So exactly what ex parte means. And and so they've only heard from one side. In that moment, you've not lost your Second Amendment rights. But there's both in Indiana. There's a state statute. There's also a federal statute that's at issue in the Rahimi case that says that if after a hearing, so you have some protection of due process, you're subject to an order of protection that protects a an, an, a, a loved one and an intimate partner, often it's called, then you've lost your Second Amendment rights. It's illegal for you to possess a firearm. And... And that's opportunity for a hearing. For instance, here in Indiana, in most counties, you get an ex parte order, meaning they've they've granted the initial order just based on the application. They haven't heard from both sides yet. A lot of times they'll say, okay, you've been subjected to an order of protection, but you have the right to a hearing, and you, but you need to request it within 30 days. If you don't request a hearing, that's the same as going to a hearing and losing. Or if there is a hearing and you go, in fact, go in and the judge hears from you and hears from the other side and they issue that order against you. It's now illegal under a federal statute and a very similar Indiana statute. It's illegal for you to possess a firearm. Now, importantly, you've not not been convicted of any crime. You've just had an order of protection issued against you. And that's what happened to Rahimi. Now, 
Rahimi is not somebody you'd want to have over for Thanksgiving dinner. This is a guy who'd had more than one domestic violence order of protection issued against him. He, he, he The evidence has been that he assaulted a woman in a parking lot, someone he was in a relationship with, was forcibly throwing her into a car, battering her at the same time. Some passerby saw the whole thing, and Rahimi fired a gun at him. And that's not the only example of knuckleheaded and illegal things that he'd done. But importantly to the discussion, he hadn't been convicted of any crimes associated with those things. But but the latest of these women been subjected to his assaults, battering, whatever else he was doing, which I don't minimize at all, had gone in and gotten an order of protection in Texas, like in most states. Getting an order of protection, this is true in Indiana, it's a civil proceeding. It's not a criminal proceeding because nobody goes to jail just on the basis of that particular proceeding. You can go to jail if you had a domestic violence order of protection issued against you and you own a gun after that or if you violate the order, but that's different. The, the proceeding that simply results in you getting a domestic violence order of protection issued against you is a civil proceeding. It's not criminal. Why does that matter? It matters in two very, very important ways. One is that the burden of proof is only preponderance of the evidence, meaning 50.0001%. That judge has to be convinced that you ought to have that order issued against you. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt like it, it is in a criminal case that gets you convicted of a crime. That's an important, incredibly important point. In addition, since it's a civil proceeding, not a criminal one, you have no constitutionally protected right to counsel. So if somebody files an order of protection against you and you want to have a hearing, but you can't afford a lawyer. You're just SOL. I would use the full term there, but Carl would would beat me and give me really mean looks in the process. You're just blank out of luck if you can't afford a lawyer. You go in there without a lawyer and do the best you can. What if the other side has a lawyer? Okay, they have a lawyer, you don't. That's just the way it works. What if you get your butt kicked just because they have a lawyer and you don't? Well, so be it, because it's a civil proceeding. It's just like if you're getting sued. You're getting sued. The other side has a lawyer. You don't. You go out and try to find a lawyer. The lawyer won't represent you without getting paid. So you show up with no lawyer. You get your butt kicked. You just got your butt kicked. The difference with an order of protection is that you've also just lost your constitutional right to bear arms. Because there is a federal statute that says you cannot possess a firearm once you've had a domestic violence order of protection issued against you. Even though the burden of proof was only preponderance of the evidence, and even though you had no constitutionally protected right to due process, at least in the form of being represented by counsel, which has been held to be a fundamental part of due process as protected by the 14th Amendment. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. In the meantime, let's talk about this case and what we're likely to see out of it. Because, listen, what's the fundamental issue here? What the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, this is the federal circuit um, court of appeals that hears appeals out of federal courts in Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. That's the Fifth Circuit. And this case, this Rahimi case, arose in Texas. So it goes up to the Fifth Circuit. And the Fifth Circuit said, hold on, we can't find any historical examples, any analogs, where someone subject to this relatively new legal invention, this new legal mechanism of a domestic violence order of protection where these people were deprived of their Second Amendment rights. And under the text, history, and tradition test, it's therefore unconstitutional. And, and, and when you look at the Bruin test of text, history, and tradition, that makes some sense to you. Then it goes up to the Supreme Court, and the argument was just here, what, less than two weeks ago, I believe. And I listened to the oral argument. I went back and listened to the tape afterward. And not so surprisingly, because I predicted a lot of that. I mean, I I hate to sound like somebody, oh, I saw this coming. The concern I had in this case going up is that Rahimi's not a good guy. He's got a very violent history. There are multiple examples um, that are documented of him being a violent guy, him being a dangerous guy, him doing knuckleheaded and illegal things with firearms. He hadn't been convicted of a crime. Because, by the way, if he'd been convicted of a felony, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Because if he, he had a felony conviction, he can't possess a gun. He hadn't been convicted of those serious crimes. He'd just been subjected to the domestic violence order of protection. After he went through a civil proceeding where he had no right to an attorney and, in fact, did not have an attorney, and the domestic violence order of protection was issued against him based on this preponderance of the evidence standard as opposed to a criminal standard or a standard applicable to a criminal case, which would be beyond a reasonable doubt. On that basis, he lost his Second Amendment rights. So the case goes up, Supreme Court. Supreme Court, here's oral argument. Here, a couple of weeks ago. Chief Justice John Roberts, at one point, asked Rahimi's attorney, do you have any doubt this guy's dangerous? Based on his history. And Rahimi's lawyer pretty much had to admit that the guy, that there was certainly evidence the guy was dangerous. So here's where I'm going on this. The text history and tradition test says we have to find an example, a similar example. I keep using the word analog. The noun associated with an, with an, an, an analogous statute, law. The Fifth Circuit said, well, the specific example of someone under a domestic violence order of protection, we can't find anything similar, either in 1868 or 1791. 
Therefore, this law is unconstitutional. I'm wrestling with my microphone again in case that sounds weird. Supreme Court, in the oral argument, clearly started focusing on, well, wait a minute, do we need to, to look so narrowly as to whether domestic violence order of protection is what we're looking for an example of, based on historical examples, under the text, history, and tradition test, or can it be broader than that? And if it's broader than that, what might that look like, and what ramifications could that have real live laws that we all live under today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So let's wrap this up on the Rahimi case. And here's where I think this case is going. And that is that Yes, the Fifth Circuit said, well, we can't find specific examples of where if you're just restricted from harassing someone, stalking someone, or otherwise uh, the conduct that will have a domestic violence order of protection issued against you, that makes it unconstitutional under the text, history, and tradition test. The, the, the questions from the justices at the oral argument here a couple of weeks ago, and listen— um, you don't want to ever want to read too much into this. I've done a lot of appellate arguments. I've had one case, yes, in front of the Supreme Court of the United States. But I've done a lot of appellate work, including here in the Indiana Court of Appeals, primarily the Indiana Court of Appeals. And sometimes justices are asking questions not so much because they disagree with you, just they, they want to hear your response to challenges to help them write their opinion. And it sounds like they're disagreeing with you. They may or may not be. But here's where I, I really believe we're going with this Rahimi case. I think we're going to a place where the, the Supreme Court is going is gonna, to is gonna sort of swing the pendulum back a little bit from the Bruin case to say, listen, like, for instance, in the specific context of domestic violence orders of protection, I, they're going to say, we, you don't have to find an analog that's exact. You have to look at, at, at essentially the, the, the core restriction we're talking about and whether that's consistent with regulation going back, yes, to 1791 or 1868, for instance. In the domestic violence order protection, I think this is where the chief justice, when he said to Rahimi's lawyer, you don't have any question this guy's dangerous, do you? And I think what they're going to say is, listen, we have a long analog, a long history of saying that people that have been proven to be dangerous can't possess firearms. For instance, violent felons. Now, nonviolent felons, not so much. That's why I think that's probably ultimately going to be overturned. But since violent felons, for instance— have been prohibited for quite some time, that someone determined to be violent and dangerous, we can restrict their rights. Here's why I still am concerned about the Rahimi decision. Because that decision that upholds this, this, this the ruling against Rahimi, at, all the way down to lower court, will ignore the fact that he was found to be dangerous only by preponderance of the evidence, 
and with no constitutional protection of counsel. That's where I hope they really focus, and we'll see if they do or they don't.